everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Language Lounge. My name is Terry Hammett, and I'm sitting in for our wonderful host, Michelle Ola. For those of you who are not aware, March 20th is the Jour de la Francophonie, marking the richness and diversity of the French language and its various cultures. There are currently over 369 million French speakers on earth. And to help us celebrate the Jour de la Francophonie, I have with me here Christine Renault-Merchant, affectionately known by her students as Madame Christine. Christine arrived in the U.S. in 1974 on a plane full of teachers from France who were coming to Louisiana with the CODAFIL program to teach the French language to kids whose parents and grandparents were shamed and stigmatized for speaking French. Over the last 40 years, Christine has taught French to every level of student from kindergarten, middle, high school, university, and adult students. Language supervisor for East Baton Rouge schools, she is passionate about her work and is a ball of creative energy. Join us as we talk with Christine, learning about bringing the reality of French into your classrooms culturally, communicatively, linguistically. So grab a cup of coffee as we talk with Christine about teaching French and la francophonie. Well, hello, Christine. Thanks so much for joining me here. I know you're in Baton Rouge right now. I'm in Baton Rouge as well. And so it's really nice to have you join us for this podcast. So Christine, could you just tell us a little bit about why it is that you are actually in the United States as a French citizen? Oh, it's a very long story. Um, I came in uh, 1974 and really I didn't make the choice of coming. (laughs) Uh, my mother always sent me all over the world to discover the world, uh, discover different culture, way of life, uh, of acting. And um, she was working at the State Department of Foreign Affairs in Paris. And um, she was a secretary of a general. And uh, this general told her, oh, you know what? There's a wonderful French program called the Codophile who recruit uh, teachers to teach in Louisiana. So again, with a very adventurous mind, she took the initiative to do all the paperwork for me. And one day she said, you know what, next month you're going to Louisiana. Uh, imagine my surprise. And I won't go into detail as, as far as my private life, but suddenly I was totally torn apart. I had to leave France and come to Louisiana. It was a very difficult trip. I cried the whole time. And when I arrived in Louisiana, as a matter of fact, I arrived in Houston. And when we came out of the plane, I felt like someone was just throwing a towel full of hot water on my face. It was so humid. And I said, oh, that's a new adventure. It's going to be for a year. And it was really the beginning of an incredible adventure. We took a school bus with no air conditioning, all the way from Houston to Baton Rouge. And uh, I was here. 
I thought I was going to stay a year. Then life and love decide otherwise. And it has been more than 45 years that I've been in Louisiana, enjoying the state, enjoying my work. And um, that's the way I end up in America, in Louisiana. Okay. And as we said in our introduction, uh, Christine has been teaching and she's been a consultant in the parish and just brings a wealth of ideas to the profession. So Christine, before we get in a little bit more to La Francophonie, could you tell us a little bit about your teaching pedagogy? Oh, my teaching pedagogy. My teaching pedagogy has been like a little seed. To tell you the truth, when I first arrived here in Louisiana, I was not a teacher. At the time, we didn't have to be a teacher. I just spoke French. And it's not because you speak French that you're automatically a teacher. So I learned by doing. And I was like a little seed, and I learned a lot, a lot through the years. Um, At first, I taught French as a second language with... uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, with the felt board, we're talking a long time ago, and so I talked for about 12 years, French as a second language, and I taught about 12 years, French in immersions, and these are two different programs and two different world, wor- worlds. Um, I don't know how much you want me to tell right now, uh, Terry about my pedagogy, but what, at the beginning, I was just teaching the language. Then, when I went into immersion, I discovered that I was not teaching the language anymore. I was using the language. And I think this is a secret. If you remember the way you learn English, um, nobody ever taught you English, remember? when your mother would talk to you and she would repeat and uh, don't open the refrigerator or do you want some milk or she would not uh, conjugate uh, you want, he wants, she wants, she will use it. And I think this is a secret of really learning a language, to use it to communicate. This is a big key word. A language is made to communicate, to interact with people to ask questions when you don't know the answer, to really discover, you know, other world, other culture, life of other people, is to communicate. This is a big, big word that I would like for everybody to remember. So when you talk about communicating, I I know that uh, you and I have both been in a few classrooms where we've seen teachers ask some questions that may not be um, so communicative because we all know the answer to the questions before they're even asked. Um, Can you give us some examples of using language for communication? Yeah. You know, for instance, if a teacher will say, Terry, comment tu t'appelles? What's your name? Come on. If you just say Terry... Don't ask my name unless you have a case of Alzheimer, you know. So if you say, Terry, don't ask what is your name, for instance. And also when you ask a question, think in life. Every time you ask a question, it's because you don't know something. 
you will never ask a question that you know the answer of. That doesn't make sense. That's what questions are for. To get an information because you don't have that information. You know, if you say, uh, how far is the Baton Rouge from, from uh, New Orleans? You don't know it. So you'll ask a question, for instance. So to keep in mind that communication has to be real, authentic, um, useful. Um, yeah. That's yeah. So actually, I like what you just said about um, talking about even the distance between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. You know, using your numbers for something like that. Um, there are probably other ways students are using numbers, but instead of just counting, they probably are. Have you seen in the classrooms that you've been in or that you've taught in other things more meaningful um, yeah. that you could I, use? Yeah, and, and you know, I don't, uh, the situation of the world language right now in the United States worries me. Um, I don't think we take word language seriously. And I wish people realized that learning a language, um, it's such a, a, an amazing opportunity to not only discover the world, oh, maybe that's social studies, uh, doing mathematic, uh, maybe doing science, doing art. Uh, since I've been teaching in immersion, I am really strongly inviting the world language teacher with whom I, I work to, to give strength and power to their world language program by using ways of teaching that will reinforce the content. Example, if we are in elementary school, I know we're going to sing under trois, quatre, cinq. You can have a little song. Nothing wrong with singing, with the dancing and counting. No problem. But why don't you, let's say, every day as a routine, look at the temperature in Celsius and in Fahrenheit. And here you are, you're doing those two different systems. Uh, why don't you, like I was saying earlier, do social studies? What's the distance between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, or Baton Rouge and Paris, or Baton Rouge and Quebec? You can do kilometers and miles, always dealing with numbers. Numbers in themselves can be used in so many different contexts. Uh, if you pretend to you go into the store or you have a catalog with food, how much would you spend? How much does it cost? It's a very simple structure. C'est combien? C'est combien? Very simple. And you use your number. Um, so give me your birth date. Number one, I don't know the birth date of all my students or, or your student. So it will, at the same time, increase the connection with your student. So you can ask, what is, quelle est la date de ton anniversaire? So you have the number, you have the month, you have the, uh, okay, you have the month, you can do the season. And after that, you can do some graph, bar graph. Oh, we have three students who are born in March. None are born in April five are born in July, and here you do some graph. 
So you reinforce the math. And all this with a one single question. Quelle est la date de ton anniversaire? And here you're reinforcing bar graph and just with numbers. You can do recipe. You know, try to think about context that you cannot do without using numbers. And here you are. And by doing that, the kid will learn the number without realizing they do. Because the message, I think, will be stronger than the language. And as Dr. Lafayette, uh, that uh, was telling us, and you know, Terry, uh, the language is the tool and the content is the message or the culture is the message, remembering that. Thanks, Christine. Yes, Dr. Lafayette was a professor at uh, Louisiana State University, and he actually came from uh, the home of Wayside. So he came from the state of Maine. He was a native French speaker from Lewiston, and uh, he he did teach us a lot about communication and, and um, the context of what it is that we're teaching. And actually, um, some of the different contexts of using language, you had actually talked with me earlier about some of the um, types of language that you've noticed in your teaching. So is, is that something that you might be able to share with our audience? Yes, because you see, in life, language is so rich, but language can be so different different according where you are, what time of the day maybe it is, who you are speaking with, what is the statue of the person. Um, so for instance, in a classroom, I think you have different kind of language, okay? Uh, we're speaking about French, uh, but let's say when you're in a classroom, you would have the functional language, what I would call the functional language. And I will invite uh, the word language teacher, you know, we talk about that 90-10, trying to be 90% in the target language and 10% maybe to give a, br a break to the kids who are just totally overwhelmed. But you have the functional language. And by functional language, I mean the language of the classroom. Let's say, uh, okay, asseyez-vous, s'il vous plaît, sh sh silence. Um, Donnez-moi les devoirs. Where the functioning, you know, like uh, the command, give me, give me your book, uh, put your book under your desk. Uh, okay, uh, why don't you go to the? Okay, that functional thing, in the and you can do that in the language, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, you need to raise your hand. Uh, uh, no, I didn't ask you. You do, you know, all that functional language, and it is very funny because sometimes you're going to realize that it is what you are not teaching that the student learn first. Uh, for instance, um, I was in a Spanish class and I could hear the teacher saying, vale, 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 all the time. I said, what is that? Vale, vale. And I think, I, I, at the end I asked, I said, what is it? I think it means, okay, okay. The teacher was saying that constantly, so I learned that word immediately. So you have the functional language, then you have the social language. Like you would say, oh, bravo, c'est magnifique, uh, super, qu'est-ce que je suis fier, excellent travail. Uh, 
all that positive reinforcement, bravo, uh, on applaudit, all those kind of little pearls or that float in the air that will uh, make uh, the the, the ambiance uh, positive and motivating, engaging and uh, happy because I think, and fun, because I think fun is a very important part in your class. If you don't have fun and you kids don't have fun, it's a very sad story. So everybody should have fun and fun doesn't mean not learning, but learning with pleasure. So you have that social language. Then you have the language that you teach, the lesson, the content. Um, and also, sometimes, if you want to expose your kids to a language that they may not be exposed to, you can play and pretend one day, maybe, to be the teacher, but to have changed personality and to demand to be respected, you're not as friendly, and from now on, maybe, they're going to have to address themselves to you as a vous, because maybe suddenly you got a PhD, I don't know, so you need more respect, whatever, <laughs> you can play, invent a story, and just to expose them or give them the opportunity to practice the vous, if they don't vous voir et s'il ne vous, vous voit pas. Euh, nous avons une, une enseignante ici, euh, à Bâton Rouge, euh, et c'est la première fois en 40 ans que je vois ça. Et lorsque je suis allée dans sa classe, je me suis rendue compte qu'elle vous voyait ses élèves. Et ses élèves la vous voyaient. Et je lui ai dit... So Christine, il hein? yeah, yeah, as you're, as you're I love to have this podcast in French, but I'm afraid that a few people may not understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, because you're speaking in French. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah, even, I never, I, didn't I didn't even realize know. I was switching in French. I didn't realize I was, because the example was in French, I guess. Yeah. So I'm sorry we have to edit. Uh, yeah, I had a, a teacher who just used the formal way to address her student and of course her student were addressing to her in the formal way using the vous form in French versus the tu form and when I saw that I say oh my goodness I haven't seen that was the first time I saw a teacher addressing her student with a respectful and formal way so those kids would be very well trained with the vous form in the future. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm also, as we're talking, I'm thinking about the time that um, one of our colleagues who worked with the, the government of Wallonie-Bruxelles uh, was getting her daughter ready for a date with the Prince of Belgium. And uh, do you remember, you know who I'm talking about, Christine? Yes, I, I know you exactly. You know the situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so getting a, a daughter ready to meet the prince um, in French is, is quite a task. So that register of language is so important. Exactly. She couldn't talk to him like she would talk to her friend in the classroom. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Register yeah. whoever you're talking to. Yes. So, yep. Uh, anyway, and then um, you had also talked 
when when we had met earlier, you were mentioning something about chewing gum sentences. What is that? <laughs> That's what I called chewing gum sentence sentences. So you know, communication can be very basic. Uh, I, I know with the immersion, maybe in kindergarten, a little child, a little student will say, "Moi mange." Okay, and you understand. Moi mange, me eat. You know, that's the way language starts with one word, maybe two words. And as uh, students are learning more and more, they can recycle what they have learned. Don't forget what you have learned and just focus on the lesson at that moment. If you have a uh, two or three months of French behind you, remember what you've learned in that first, second, and third month and recycle it. If you have learned the food, you will say, or the verb, okay, je mange de la pizza, okay? And maybe uh, you're going to, so that means I eat some pizza, okay? And maybe you're going to learn in the future, you would have learned later on the places. So why not to say, oh, j'ai mangé de la pizza dans un restaurant italien. And here we stretch the sentence. Maybe you learn the family member. So the, as a teacher, invite your student to grasp and to pull all that vocabulary, all the different things they learn, and to put it in one sentence. They could say, Oh, j'ai mangé de la pizza dans un restaurant italien avec mes amis. I ate pizza in an Italian restaurant with my friend. Maybe they remember mother and father. Oh, and my father and dad, and my father and mother. That's what I mean. Uh, or maybe they know the time. Uh, Sunday, they, they know the day. So, to to invite them to constantly recycle all the what they have learned and to stretch their sentence, to make them longer and longer and longer. And that's why I call it chewing gum sentence. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that, Christine, you are probably la reine de la francophonie, la reine de la culture uh, française surtout. But... Um, in all of the time that you have been in the United States, that you've been here in Louisiana, can you tell us a little bit about how you've even broached teaching culture in the classroom with your students? How did I? Okay. So the culture, you know, we have to realize we're in Louisiana. So we have to celebrate the French culture of Louisiana and uh, make sure that we don't come and sometime, uh, um, I don't want to say impose, but uh, we are, it has to be, we are cousin, okay? So uh, we can talk about the culture in France, in Quebec, in Switzerland, in Belgium, in Louisiana, uh, and that's what the francophonie is about. Francophonie, in francophonie, you have the word phone. Phone is like telephone. So these are the people who communicate through Franco. 
through the French language. That's what Franco is, from French. And, um, you know, I love the French language. I think it's a beautiful language. Um, it's a difficult language. It's difficult if you dissect the grammar and explain the rules. That's the way I learned French. And that was very, very hard to digest. And I don't think that's the way that we should approach the teaching. Now, I know that teacher have to give tests. I know you have to give, yeah, you have to give tests, <sighs> unfortunately. But um, you still can do grammar without having the kids having an indigestion of grammar rule, grammatical rules. If you make them talk or you make them write or let's say they they talk about a story, what they did over the weekend, and it's a genuine communication, you really want to know what have you been doing over the weekend. So you're going to learn about themselves. What did they like, they didn't like, and guess what? You cannot talk about the weekend without using the passé composé. Oh my God, I said passé composé. Yeah, I did. And maybe they can write, then they can underline, maybe all those verbs who are in a very strange form. Je suis allé, j'ai regardé, je me suis promené, whatever. And make them maybe discover the grammar. Be a detective. Oh, but look, there's two verbs. But here's the verb avoir. Is the verb. Just make them be the constructor of their learning so they discover and i think if they contribute to the discovery of their learning because they put so much into it they're going to remember rather than being imposed and say okay for the verb in er you're going to have the auxiliary avoir for the motion verb it's going to be être maybe so you can do grammar but in a very subdued way without really realizing you're doing grammar and you could, can put them in group and maybe they can underline first the verb sometimes you know they have difficulty between verb or noun or so that will reinforce their skill in english in their home you know in their native tongue so it can be a very funny and uh, exciting way of discovering grammar i think yeah what do you think Tina? yeah uh, definitely I I love that idea. And, you know, um, going back to the culture that we were talking about, I have attended a number of your um, presentations where you were talking about, not actually, you were never talking about French culture, but um, it was always an experience whenever um, you were exposing students to the, yes. the culture of la francophonie. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah, go ahead. And uh, I don't know if, um, okay, I have two examples that come to mind. I did culture through perfume, and I've done culture through impressionism. Impress, impressionism. And also, I think it's nice when you do culture to address all the senses where they don't just read 
or right, but they see, they smell, they touch, they I think the more senses you address in your teach in your pedagogy, the stronger will be the retention and hopefully exciting will be the experience. Uh, you see when we did I did the perfume because um, first of all I collect perf bottle of perfume and I love perfume and I think France is very famous for perfume and through that theme it was very strange as as I was developing the unit we start doing geography where all those plants were coming from we start doing uh, science uh, and uh, even chemistry if you would create a formula for the perfume uh, we start doing uh, poetry, uh, finding maybe uh, or a slogan that will match the name of the perfume. We start doing, um, okay, so we had, uh, uh, yeah, we, st we start doing art uh, where the student would create his own bottle. So that would be a design. He will give a special name. He will decide for which clientele it would be, male, female, young, old. Would it be which time of the day would be, early in the morning or after exercising or for an evening? So that was something. And it was what I want to say that I present that in some French class, French one. It was a PowerPoint. I spoke 45 minutes in French, not a single word of English. And we had a little questionnaire, five questions at the end of the presentation. Every time I presented that, the student understood, I would say, 80% of the presentation because of the power of the visual, the picture because of the use of cognates who make them feel more comfortable, because of my mimic, my mime, my, you know, I would mime as much as I could to make them understand what a nay was. A nay is a nose, that's your organ, but a nay is also the person who create perfumes. And if you take all this into consideration, the, the picture, the illustration, the mime, the cognate. It was amazing to see the kids understanding. Some understood 100%. You know, la capitale du parfum, the capital of perfume, grâce. You know, les ingrédients du parfum, ingredients. And, you know, about 40 to 50% of English vocabulary comes from French. Yes. Pretty yes. amazing. Uh-huh. So if we keep that in mind, and if we, in a natural way, program our mind to use those cognate, this will facilitate the understanding. 
that will reduce the stress and the thing, oh my God, I don't understand what she's talking about. And will reduce that affective, affective filter who can be really uh, scary at the beginning, especially when you want to speak just French and the kids are totally lost. So it's very important to to think about all those cognates, like I just yep. mentioned, perfume and ingredient and capital, you know, boom, we have three there, right there. Yeah, I love that, Christine. And I have had such wonderful experiences being in some of your cultural uh, presentations and workshops and things like that. I, you did mention doing something on Impressionism. I know I participated in your dog you know, um, yeah, like the dog, dog experience. Yeah, so the perfume is important, friends, and the kids would be, you know, even boys, everybody enjoyed it. Then the dog, who doesn't have a dog? Who doesn't love dog? You know, the interest. We we have to also choose a subject that um, that is of interest to the kid. And when I went to France, I took pictures of all the dog I could see because dogs are everywhere. They are in the restaurant. They are in the cafe, in the airport, in the railway station, on a boat, everywhere. So I say, ah. So what I did, you know, I had a puppet. She was my my partner. And she was a dog, a princess. And again, it was a PowerPoint. And we discover all those dogs. They have different shape, different colors, different size, different name different ages and it was just so easy and after that we say where was that dog where was the dog black and white oh it was uh, in the in the store in the supermarket or the little white dog was in the metro and here they are in a context il est dans le metro le metro some students don't know what a metro is um the supermarket was maybe different from the supermarket here um, in America. Uh, where were they? The railway station, um, the airport, you know, so uh, at the seaside, in the countryside, in the car. And here without knowing it, you know, and you were doing the preposition or it was in the car or it was on the beach. It was next to his master it was behind boom and we were doing the preposition without realizing we were doing it so and it was fun and after (laughs) that you could ask the kids do you have a dog how big is it how old it is Um, what is his name very simple basic structure beginning of a curriculum but with a real purpose in mind. You don't know the name, you don't know the age, you don't know if it's a boy or a girl, you don't know the color. So you're really doing a little uh, investigation, a little survey. Yeah, it's um, real communication. But Christine, you're talking about that. Um, That's, it seems to me you were probably doing that with um, elementary kids. Have you ever tried that type of thing with middle or high school? Yes, I did it. Now, you know, I like to take risk. And uh, I think it's good to be crazy a little bit sometime. Um, 
unless you take the risk, you don't know if it's going to work or not. I choose a school, a very, I, I'm not going to say the name, but a very, very, very nice school. And I took the risk to go even with my puppet. I say, oh, mon Dieu, they're going to think I'm crazy. But what? Well, if I don't try, I will never know. So my little puppet, I did that presentation. And after that, I give a little questionnaire because I wanted to get some feedback. So some thought it was ridiculous or they felt maybe insulted. Okay, no, no big deal. But some surprisingly say, you know what? It was fun to talk to the puppet. I feel less stress because the puppet was talking to them and they didn't feel as stressed as talking to me. It was very strange. But, um, you know, it's like you'll never be able to please 100% of the people 100% of the time. But um, the subject they like because they had dog, you know, and they respond to that. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was pretending that the little puppet was looking for a boyfriend. So after that, I make them believe, uh, do your dog has a phone number? So they had to create a phone number uh, for the dog and give me the name. So that was another way of uh, practicing number, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the little one, elementary, it worked real well. Middle school, so-so, and high school, I just tried it once. So, um, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do think that there are some things, some strategies that we use in the elementary school and the middle school that would do quite fine in the high school if we were courageous enough to try them. You are right, you know, but when I did my thing for the perfume and everything, of course, I didn't have a puppet or anything, but it was exactly for all level and it worked perfectly. But of course, the subject was, oh, and uh, after that, the girls start getting out their perfume from their book sack. All of them had some kind of uh, smelling things. So we start to smell, mm, c'est bon, c'est doux. And we had to try to describe the how it smelled, if it was sweet, if it was strong, if it was, you know. And uh, so everybody suddenly, I remember in the class, everybody was showing me the little, it was not so much perfume, but it was kind of, a, how do you call, something to smell good. You know, that's yeah. probably the lotion, maybe lotion yeah. and things like that. Yes, yeah. yeah. And comment ça s'appelle? Oh, c'est le nom. Uh, voilà. Uh, combien ça coûte? So, again, in a very natural way, I could ask, you know, what's the price? Where did you buy it? Uh, yeah. Why do you like it? You know, just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, those are all great experiences. And then um, I know that you've taken your kids on some field trips or you've talked about maybe doing some field trips with your students or or maybe even inviting guests into your classroom anyway to to make French and uh, la francophonie. Maybe a reality, even... yes. Ex yeah. Can this you describe a little important. bit? Terry, thank you for telling me this, um, reminding me, because... Um, we have to make sure that the, you see, I was going to say the student, I would rather say those young boys and girls realize that French, that a word language, is not just a subject uh, that you learn. 
in a classroom and you get a grade for and you get the credit for but it is a tool it's an investment in your life and it is a reality outside the classroom it's a reality in the community and i would like to try to get a wider pool of a speaker maybe parents maybe other teacher uh, maybe um, just people that we meet in the community and uh, maybe in some businesses, people who could come in the classroom and show that it is a reality. As a matter of fact, when I go to the classroom, I never speak English. And just this is an electric electrical shock to the student. I enter the class and I make them believe I don't speak English. And they look at me and they say, you don't speak English? Je dis, non, non, je ne parle pas anglais. And, and they are just in shock. How can a person not speak English? They, they cannot imagine. So for an hour, I just speak French. And in the past, I would leave and uh, that was it. But now, after an hour, I spin on myself, I touch my nose, and I start speaking English. And you should see those kids. They nearly have heart attack. They say, what? What? You speak English and you haven't speak a word for the last hour? And uh, I say, yeah, I just wanted to, to see how they would react, you know. And, but I say, normally when I'm in the class, I don't speak English. I speak English outside but not inside. And uh, that was a shock. And I think if we could find a lot of people, a speaker uh, from the outside coming and speaking French, you know, uh, that will show them um, maybe uh, the reality of the language and also to discuss with them that if they take if they learn well and take some exam, like the DELF, for instance, and continue learning French, the minute they get the B2 DELF exam and get a decent score, they can go to France and attend the university, who are practically free, much, much cheaper than the, the American university. So that's a nice investment. And I think... If the parents were more, um, uh, how do you say? Uh, aware. Aware, yeah, and informed of this, uh, maybe that will be that will be good and uh, that will be an investment because I think money talks. So when you say, oh, well, you, your child can go to the university and it's practically free, oh, oh that would be a good saving for them. So, um we need to do maybe more work on that part of the the picture. Yeah. And just, you know, we are fortunate, you and I, because we do live in um, an area with a, a great Francophone heritage, but there are so many resources available for teachers, like um, there are many Alliance Francaise, uh, around the country, there's, um, if you've never looked at the website, Le Français des Amériques, I think that's what it's called, maybe La Francophonie des Amériques, 
all we kinds of possibilities for students to actually realize that there is a community of francophone speakers in North America um, and the Caribbean. And what a great um, opportunity to belong to that as a global citizen, as a francophone citizen, and, and just taking on that identity of being um, a francophone speaker, a French speaker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it will help you to develop international relation, relation, you know, and you have a lot, a lot of profession. And, you know, as the code of say, a person that speaks two languages is worth two person. So that's what I tell the student a lot of time. You know, you may be excellent in math or you're amazing in science and you go for an interview and uh, you have the same qualification as the person next to you, but you speak another language. You speak French. Guess who is going to be hired? I mean, there's no no doubt, you know, even uh, if those two candidates have the same qualification, one is monolingual, the other one is bilingual. And on top of that is, of course, I'm going to, to talk for French, nothing against Spanish, you know, but speak French. Um, I think that the person who speaks French would get the job. Yeah. Without, you know, you know. Yeah. I am thinking about um, the governor of Delaware, who um, they were looking at attracting, I believe it was Aetna to, to put its world headquarters. I may be wrong. Somebody from Delaware can tell me, but they wanted to put, um, they were in competition for Aetna to come and set its world headquarters in Delaware. And there were other cities around the world who also were um, in competition and, and Delaware did not get, um, they didn't place at all um, to receive, um, to be the headquarters for this company. And the reason why, when the governor asked what the reason was that they didn't you know, even receive a thought towards it was the fact that their, uh, their population was totally monolingual. So yes. I think they settled in Brussels. But, yeah. yeah, so good you point, Christine. Yeah. And, and yeah. you really never know uh, when you will need a world language, uh, another language. Uh, I remember I, I remember an, an instance um, where, uh, I don't know if I could, could tell that, but uh, uh, the police, I knew somebody in the police, and the police called me one day and I said, uh, can you come? Can you come? Uh, we have a critical case right now with somebody speaking Spanish. Uh, the, the husband was holding his wife hostages and nobody could communicate. And they say, I think you know some Spanish. I say, yeah, I do. Can you come and try to see if you can communicate and calm that person down? So I immediately ran to the place where it was, and the man was very, very, very nervous. He was very, you know, he had a weapon, and um, he would talk full, full blast. And I said, oh, my God, I cannot really understand what he's saying. But with my Spanish, I start talking to him, you know, and uh, tell him, please uh, calm down. Okay, what's the problem? Talk to me. Uh, how can I help you? Uh, let's talk. And little by little by little by little, he calmed down. 
and uh, we we succeed to put an end to that very critical situation. And you see the police say, oh, my God, thank you so much for what we would have done. I mean, nobody among us could communicate with the guy. And so you never know. You never know how your language skill will help you or will help a, a situation. You know, maybe somebody has a wreck and doesn't speak uh, English and uh, uh, it's a question of life or death. So uh, it's an investment personally and professionally, and it allowed you to meet different people, to enrich your vision of life, to learn new things. And also, you know, a lot of time you say, oh, it's different. I think we should celebrate our difference, and difference is not wrong. Difference is richer. And uh, fortunately, we are different. It would be boring if everybody was the same. So let's celebrate our difference and learn from one another and each other. Vive la différence. Vive la différence. Exactly, <laughs> Terry. Terry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much to uh, Christine. We are going to put up uh, some handouts so you'll be able to see them on, on some ways that your students can connect with uh, Francophone cultures around the world, some uh, websites that you can go to, and some other ideas um, here and in you the know, United Terry, States. Terry, also, you know, sometime, you know, when we, especially right now with the technology, you know, you can have some uh, correspondence course. Uh, uh, correspondence, not course, correspondence, yeah, with maybe from school to school in the same district or from state to state, you know, or from country to country. So um, where students learn to discover one another, or exchange their, what they like to do, what they like to go, what they like to eat. Uh, you know, so with the technology right now, I mean, the, the world is it's at our fingertips. Um, so um, there's a lot of things we can do with the technology that I'm sure a lot of the teachers are doing, you know, as we speak. So, um, yeah, if you have a colleague, you know, you can maybe have a correspondence from a school to school, from a district to another, from a state to another, from a country to another. So, uh, and you can see each other, you can hear each other, you can speak, you can write, you can read all the skills, you can see the culture. I mean, the world is at our fingertips. That's yeah. exactly right. And I just encourage everyone to become, uh, if you're a French speaker or if you're learning French, just take on that French identity. Become a global citizen, uh, a citizen of the Francophone world. So... And vive la francophonie. And I know why I like francophonie so much. It's a march. And my birthday is a march. I <laughs> knew it. <laughs> so even, even there, I was born in the month of the francophonie. No wonder. <laughs> so, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we go, I'd like to ask you, if you were sitting in my chair, who would you like to learn more about? Who would you like to interview? Do you have anybody in mind? Okay, let me think for a second. Who would I like to interview? Mm, <clears throat> I think, it's very strange, but I have several names. 
coming to my mind. And when I think about it, I realize that all those names have uh, some kind of connection. And the connection would be an artistic connection. Uh, I'm thinking about Clint Eastwood, that I really is one of my favorite actors. I like his energy, his uh, charisma, his passion, his talent, and his love for life. And I, I read not too long ago because he's going to to start another film. And Clint Eastwood is 91 year old. And uh, someone asked him, but uh, how do you do to have such energy and desire to keep uh, uh, making movies? And he said, I don't allow the old man to get in me. And I think that was an amazing answer. And I hope I will do the same. I will not get the old woman to get in me to keep my enthusiasm. Another person that I have a lot of admiration for is Brigitte Bardot. Of course, she is a French, um, very famous uh, actress from the 50s and 60s and 70s. And what I like about her is her, her love for animals and uh, how she is fighting for the protection of animals. So we have a lot in common about that. I did write to her and uh, she responded and uh, we had a lot of in common. So that's another person that I will, I feel very close to, I would love to interview. And also I'd like to interview maybe a painter like Renoir because I love to paint and draw. So you see all those people have some kind of artistic or humanistic uh, uh, reason that I would love to interview them. So, and you know, when you teach, um, I think a lot of the teacher deep in their heart are some kind of actors. Uh, we have to act to perform in a kind of way. We have an audience in front of us. Uh, we can teach through art, through plays, so through acting, through theaters. Uh, maybe we can make movie videos. So I think all those uh, person indirectly give me some ingredients that I will that I do use in my teaching. And I think maybe a teacher is an artist or an actor who hasn't been accomplished. So um, I think these are the three person that I would like to interview. Thanks, Christine. Yes, I think teaching really is an art. So and, and the better we we become at teaching the more of an artist we become as well you know so. you have to perform you have to to be uh, to to articulate to mime to be intense to be passionate to there's that communication that audience feeling i was talking about so i think it's all these are very important ingredient i think to be a good teacher Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, for joining me today, and also for sharing your energy and your passion for language teaching and for la francophonie. So I hope that you'll be willing to come back another time and, and talk with us. Yeah. Terry, merci, merci beaucoup for giving me that wonderful opportunity to speak with you. We've been working together for a long time and to share my passion for teaching for French and from the French-speaking world. Donc, vive la francophonie and to all the teachers throughout the nation. 
Bon travail, bonne chance et vive la francophonie joining us today in the Language Lounge. If you like what you've heard, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. And we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. I'd like to hear what you thought about today's episode. You can reach me on Twitter at at LangLoungePod or send me an email at podcast at wayside publishing.com. Thanks for listening.